Let's hear it for Friendly Physics. Learning by listening. Last week, we listened to the start of a new idea. We expanded on motion and are now talking about up and down, vertical motion. We spent a lot of time getting accustomed to objects moving, where they are, how fast they move, what direction that movement is in. And now we're applying it to objects that are withstanding the force of gravity. Last week, I gave you two equations. The first one was simple. It says V is equal to V naught plus AT. Velocity is equal to initial velocity plus acceleration times time. The other formula was a little more complicated. The formula says position equals initial position plus initial velocity times time plus one-half acceleration times time squared. Y equals y naught plus v naught t plus one-half a t squared. To truly use these formulas and to do so successfully is to understand vertical motion. Vertical motion is an object moving up or down. I want you to imagine an apple falling from a tree when we are talking about an object moving downward. I want you to imagine one of those stomp rockets where you set a little foam rocket on a launcher attached to a pump that you step on and then the rocket goes up when you stomp. Imagine that rocket when we are talking about objects launching up. Let's break down these formulas. I want to first point out two things. First, nowhere in these formulas do we talk about mass. There is no letter M. Mass is not considered. Does this mean that a piano dropped from the top of a building will not fall any faster than a bag of feathers dropped from the same height? Everything that we know says that the piano will hit the ground first. And you wouldn't be wrong. These equations function under the assumption that the only force acting on an object is the force of gravity. It negates air resistance. You might hear this phrasing in your physics problems. Ignore air resistance. That is not to say that these formulas are wrong or don't work on Earth or anything like that. For the most part, the difference between a calculation that ignores air resistance and one that does not is so small that these are still valuable formulas for how fast and where an object is as it moves vertically. So for the most part, the mass of an object does not matter in vertical motion. This brings me to the second thing that I want to note. We are talking about acceleration. Acceleration due to gravity. Something we will talk about more later when we see force. But by using acceleration here, we are canceling out mass. And this is what allows us to make those calculations without knowing how heavy a piano, an apple, 
or any other object is. The last episode, I told you that scientists have calculated and measured and assigned the value 9.8 to be the acceleration of an object due to gravity on Earth. When we use acceleration in these formulas, we will always use the value negative 9.8. Negative because gravity causes objects to accelerate down, and it is easiest to use the standard that down is negative. This is more obvious when an object is falling down. Something must be causing it to fall. But now, let's imagine that stomp rocket launching up. Why doesn't the rocket just keep going? Why does it eventually slow down and stop and then start to fall again? The object is accelerating down. The acceleration is negative. So let's think about our runner on a track. They're running. They're still getting further from the starting line, but as they run, they're going slower and slower until they stop. Negative acceleration. The rocket is the same way. It is still moving up, but as it goes up, it is slowing down, eventually coming to a stop. The apple falling is like the track runner running backwards towards the starting line getting faster and faster. The apple gets closer and closer to the ground, increasing in speed. These two formulas can be manipulated to get you just about any information imaginable. How fast an object falls, where it falls from, how fast it is going when it hits the ground, how high an object can launch, how long that takes, how fast an object needs to launch to hit a specific height, where an object is at any given time. You may see them written in other ways. Sometimes physicists replace the change in position with a D for displacement. Sometimes you might see more than two equations, but they all come from these same two. So let's see where they come from. The first one is pretty simple. It's just a rearranged equation. We had acceleration equals change in velocity divided by time. That's just the definition of acceleration, change in velocity over time. All we did was substitute final velocity minus initial velocity for the delta v and then isolate final velocity. Multiply a by t, add initial velocity to the other side. v equals v naught plus at. Velocity equals initial velocity plus acceleration times time. The second formula is a little complicated and does require some simple calculus. If you will remember from the episode on graphing position, velocity, and acceleration, the area under a velocity versus time graph is the displacement. So let's picture this on a graph to help. My x-axis is time, my y-axis is velocity. I'm going to go up to a velocity v naught on the y-axis and draw a diagonal line 
up from there. A little bonus if you can tell me, what is the slope of this line? 9.8, because that is the rate at which our velocity is changing our acceleration due to gravity. Anyways, in order to find the displacement of this object, we need to find the area under this diagonal line. And it really looks like the area is a triangle right under the line, and then a rectangle at the bottom, a triangle sitting on a box. So let's find the area of the box first. The box has a height from 0 to v naught, where we started to draw that diagonal line. And the length is just the time, the amount of time that has passed. So the area of our box is v naught times t. Think about your formula. Now we have to find the area of the triangle sitting on top of the box, 1 half base times height. The base is going to be the time again, and the height is the difference between the final and initial velocity. We started drawing the diagonal line at an initial velocity, and we ended at a final velocity. So the area of the triangle is 1 half t delta v. 1 half time times the change in velocity. That is the area under our diagonal line. And so we know that the displacement is the box plus the triangle. V times T plus 1 half T delta V. Change in position equals V naught T plus 1 half t delta v. We are so close. If you remember from the first formula, acceleration equals delta v over t. And so, delta v equals a times t. Let's replace the delta v that we just got in our 1 half t delta v term with a times t. Now we have, instead of 1 half t delta v, 1 half t times a times t. So, 1 half a t squared. And that is our formula. Isolate the y f in the displacement, and we get y sub f equals y naught plus v naught t plus 1 half a t squared. Knowing where our formula came from is just as important as knowing how to use it. There is a lot of information that we can glean from the letters in a formula, and this is only just the beginning. See you next week to hear more about rocket launches and to spend even more time with kinematics.